Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to church uh, where we get to meet with God together corporately. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Travis, the, the lead pastor, and, and what, a, what a joy uh, to be in uh, the house of God with the people of God in, uh, experiencing the presence of God. And so uh, thanks so much for being here today. We are continuing right on through the summer. I think some of you families have uh, kids going back to school like this week. Is that, is that right? I, I, man, it, it's crazy uh, how, how quick the summer is, if you can call the summer really gone, not quite weather-wise, but kids are starting to head back to school. We're winding down our summer series, uh, going back to two services next week. And, uh, and we are uh, talking about the eyes of faith out of Hebrews 11. And, uh, and really our, our aim throughout the, the series of, of a, this chapter study on Hebrews 11 has been that our faith would truly increase. We felt like this summer was almost like a season of preparation for uh, what God has in store for us next, that he would um, give us some, some more tangibles in regards to faith, that we would come out of the summer not just being blessed by understanding more about faith or, or, or hearing some in, in, encouraging stories uh, regarding faith, but that we would actually be, be walking with, with some more tools, um, with some more tangibles, with some, with some more understanding of the word of God that would allow us to operate truly with greater faith in, in, in the living God. And that, that, would be, uh, that would be evident in our lives. And so I hope that that has been the case today. We're going to do that in, in a little bit of a different way. One of the one of the ways that we are able to increase in something or get better at something or to overcome something is to know what we're up against. And so uh, today we're going to be looking at a, a few of the enemies of faith. As we continue on in Hebrews 11, we're going to identify not all of the enemies of faith, but I think three big ones that are identified in our next section of the, the, the scripture. And, and it's good to understand First of all, that we are in what Paul calls uh, a fight of faith. One of his last charges to uh, his, one of his disciples, Timothy, was, hey, continue to fight the good fight of faith. And so there is a place for us to acknowledge that, that faith, not, not just an initial, I place my faith in Jesus, but a lifestyle of faith requires a, a, a bit of a battle, there's, there's, a, there's a struggle to it. In fact, it's, it's partly in the struggle that our faith increases, um, but it, it is a, a fight of faith that will continue uh, until the end. And, and so that's why we're, we're doing this study, not because, oh, we just want to kind of get back to some of the basics, but because faith is, is an enduring and hopefully in increasing aspect of, of our walk with God. And so uh, we're going to identify a couple of these enemies today uh, of faith in Hebrews 11. We're going to be looking uh, today at the life of Moses beginning in verse 23, and we're going to read through verse 29. All right. Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 23. By faith, Moses's parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And so we have here a, a, a quick encapsulation of the story of Moses from the perspective of the author of Hebrews and particularly calling out the elements of faith, at least a few of the elements of faith that are seen in the life of Moses. And, and so I, I want us to be encouraged again as we think about these, these enemies of the faith and how we respond to them to, in acknowledging that, hey, we, we want to be on guard, so to speak, uh, of the enemies of the faith because they're out there. There's a very real battle on, on the different elements of walking with God. Um, I recently did a, 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 word, a word study on peace, specifically on shalom. It's a, it's a big word in the Old Testament. And, um, and it's not what we're talking about today, though there is a lot of material to do, to do a, a, a very impactful sermon series on, on just this one word. Um, and, but, but for me, this was just something personally God had led me to. And so now I've got a few pages of notes on, on shalom, what it looks like to, to walk in, in the peace of God. And, and, and one of the things that, that, that's spoken much of when it comes to this word is that uh, this word is not just the, the absence of animosity or of friction or of war. Um, that, that would be kind of a normal understanding of peace. It's the absence of those things. But biblical peace or shalom is not only the absence of those things, but it is the presence of something or someone else. So it is the presence of Jesus who in Ephesians 2, Paul tells us he, Jesus, is our peace. And, and so there's just this, this, um, this wholeness, there's this, this completeness that's, that's understood that comes with the biblical idea of peace that comes from the person of Jesus, as well as the things that Jesus died that we might have, grace, mercy, these things that we receive from God. And, and so... My task has then been, as I've done this word study, uh, is, okay, I want to stay in a place of shalom. I want to stay in a place of, of peace. Uh, not only the absence of things, and that's another powerful thing about biblical peace, is it's not just, you don't, you don't have to be absence of these things to actually uh, uh, obtain peace. There can still be conflict and rub around you, and you can, you can enjoy peace because he himself is our peace. And yet um, I, I find myself going through a, a day and, um, and there is an assault on peace, on, on, on my peace. Uh, I, I mean, just in, in any given day, uh, take yesterday. Um, I, I'm, I'm up and uh, doing uh, work in the yard and, uh, and things break. 
and, and I can't finish the work in the yard because the lawnmower breaks. I, I go to my daughter's basketball game and, and I have these, these emotions come up about the incompetence of the referees, which is sinful. You know, it's, it's like sinful thoughts coming up in, in my mind. And, uh, and it's, it's literally eroding peace. I'm like, how did I get here so quickly? You know, and, um, you know, even getting home, getting, getting the kids to bed. And, and we, we have a dog that just knows right when all the kids go to bed and loves to come and get in my lap and in my face at the moment that that happens and just making me frustrated. And, and I'm sorry for you dog lovers, but when you have six kids and they're all in bed, you don't want something else on your lap and in your face. Okay. And so it's just, it's like, please give me space. They're just little things, not to mention more significant things with, with re- relational struggles or financial struggles that are constantly eroding peace, right? So they're in, in any given spiritual attribute or thing that we, we value in our lives, there's going to be a, a, a war against it. Okay, and so I, that, that's something to acknowledge because if we don't acknowledge that we're in a war for, for, uh, for obtaining and expressing and living in faith, then we're gonna end up living in complacency without even knowing it. Uh, having to look back months or years since we've ex- expressed and really walked out in any real and genuine faith. And so know that there are obstacles to it. And, um, and today I hope even in, in, in identifying some of the obstacles, we're gonna realize that actually I've, I've, I've put my life of faith on pause in some areas because of these obstacles. And I've just said, I don't know if it's worth it. Okay, so the first one we're gonna recognize is maybe the most obvious and that's fear. Fear is one of the greatest enemies to faith. In many ways, it's the, the opposite of faith. It, it, it paralyzes us and does not allow us to step out into the unknown because we're afraid. We don't know what's gonna happen and, and it causes anxiety and, uh, and we are unwilling to take the risk of faith because of fear. And so we see that being addressed a couple of times here in Hebrews 11. It says, first of all, about Moses' parents, that they hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So the king, the Pharaoh, had uh, ushered an edict in that said that all the Hebrew male babies must be murdered and killed. An incredibly awful edict by one of the most powerful men in the entire world at that time. And they were, there would be soldiers coming in to make sure that this, this edict went forward because the midwives, it said, feared God and they, didn't, they did not uh, go forth with the king's edict. Um, and so they, in, in the end, were blessed by God. But, but the, the, the parents of Moses, it says, by faith, refused uh, the king's edict at, to, at the, the risk of their own lives, at the, own, the, the risk of their, their family's lives, of the, uh, the brother and sister of Moses. And yet by faith, they were not afraid of the king's edict. Okay, so, so that's a, a big deal because not only does it say that because they loved their kid, uh, they risked everything uh, to make sure that he was safe. 
but it actually speaks to the fear element of it, that they, they were not afraid of the king's edict. And one of the things that, that we're going, we, we want to um, really draw out this morning uh, that goes right in line with our Eyes of Faith series is what they saw. Okay, so uh, here we see that they, because they saw that he was no ordinary child, they were not afraid of the king's edict. There was something they saw. There was something they understood about the, the calling of Moses. And so there, there's something about when we understand the calling of God, when we can see that the hand of God, the purpose of God, the calling of God, not just what's right in front of us, but what is to come, when God begins to speak to those things, those things of purpose, those things of hope over your life, over the lives of those that you care for, that you begin to operate by faith. Now, this is what God has said. So we do not need to fear how the world comes against what God has said. And so there was something they, they were able to see, and it's difficult to see beyond a king's edict that has said he's coming to destroy your baby boy. Because fear blinds, fear paralyzes. And, and yet they were able by faith to see something that God had spoken over this child, that he was no ordinary child, but that there was a calling of God upon his life. And so one of the ways that we combat Fear is to see what God has spoken over our lives. To see what God has spoken over our lives. And then when obstacles come that would create fear or anxiety, you go back to what God has already spoken over your life. No, this is what God has spoken. I do not need to fear the threats of the enemy or the accusations of those around me. I, I see and I understand what God has spoken. Another place that we see fear come up is actually down in, in verse 27, it says, by faith, he left Egypt. This is when Moses was leaving Egypt after growing up there. It says, he, by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Another way that we overcome fear is to just fix our eyes on the one who is invisible. He, he was able to persevere. Again, we have this word persevere when it comes to faith because there is what? There is a fight for faith. There is a battle for faith. There is perseverance needed to walk out a life of faith. It is not a one-time decision to place our faith in Jesus. It is an ongoing, purposeful, intentional decision to, to be faithful to Jesus each and every day. And when fear begins to come in and, and wants to cause us to be paralyzed or, or anxious uh, or blinded, we, we must look ahead. We must see him who is invisible. We must fix our eyes on him who is invisible. Okay, so there's a, a way of looking at Jesus that allows us to overcome fear and be reminded of faith. Okay, one of the second obstacles, we're gonna keep, keep moving here today, we gotta go. Um, but uh, the, one of the second obstacles uh, uh, after, after fear is, is what I would call comfort. There in verses 24 and 25, it says this, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So here's what happened. Uh, Moses' parents uh, refused to kind of bow down to this edict. They, they uh, were, were able to avoid Moses being killed. Uh, one of the things they did after the, it became too difficult to hide him is they put uh, him in a basket to float down the river. He was found by the daughter of Pharaoh. The daughter of Pharaoh decides to, to raise him as her own. And so he grows up in the Pharaoh's house. This, this Hebrew um, that, that was a slave to the Egyptians now is growing up in, in, the, in the house of Pharaoh with all uh, of, the, 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 kind of the riches of, of Egypt at, at his disposal. And yet it says this, that when he grew up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Comfort is a little more of a subtle enemy to faith than fear is. Fear is kind of in your face. You know, you're, you're very aware of like when, when you're afraid and, and sometimes and hopefully our natural reaction is to, to respond with faith. I can't let fear paralyze me. I need to respond by faith. Sometimes with comfort being a little more subtle and a little more sly, it creeps up into our Western lives and before we know it has a hold on us and begins to dampen faith because faith uh, often requires risk. Faith often requires laying down the pleasures of this world so that we can embrace the fullness of God and what he's called us to. We can't carry both. We can't like carry all the comforts of this world with us and also try to walk by faith. It just weighs us down. It's not the way that the, that the faith walk looks. And, and so comfort it can encroach. And, and I, you know, I don't have a, a great story of being a prince and having to trade that. I, I did want to be a dentist. Um, <laughs> you know, my dad, my dad was a dentist and, uh, and so I, I grew up in the dental office. And, uh, and in fact, I just, he's retired recently. So I would just had to go to the dentist last week here. And I'm like, oh, it smells so good. And I, I'm serious. It was like my child, like the, the whizzing and whirring of the, like the drill in the next room. And like, for most of you, you're like, oh, can we not talk about that? For me, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of like my childhood. Like I grew up working in the dentist's office, uh, you know. But um, but I, I I saw my dad's life. He loved the Lord. Uh, was a, a you know a deacon in the church. He went on mission trips. Did dental work every every summer. Um, we lived a, a nice, comfortable life uh, for most of his career. He just worked Monday through Thursday. Not a lot of emergencies. I'm like, man, this is. I think I could do this. <laughs> Like be a dentist, and uh, and so that was my plan, and, you know, until my my junior year of high school when God kind of uh, arrested my heart and called me to ministry, and which has been awesome. Um, but there are things in in life where where God says, "Hey, are are you gonna are you gonna go that route?" Which again, that route for me offered comfort. 
a way to, to honor and love God and to, to provide for my family and, uh, and to do well in this life? Or are you going to, to obey and, and to, to, to lay things down? Um, and again, that wasn't a big one. It's not like I, I laid awake at night in my bed dreaming of being a dentist or anything. So it wasn't like this big laying down, but it was, it's just that just to position. And I think that's why there's words in the text here like he refused to be known. There, there, there are going to be some things that come your way that are, that are you know, not necessarily wrong in and of themselves. Things that provide comfort. And, there are, and, and you know, it can get a little confusing because I don't think God is calling all of us to a, a life of continual discomfort that there are things that he's given us to enjoy, but we also can't use God's goodness in those ways to be a kind of a, a cop-out for, for the places that he's calling us to walk a narrow road, to, to lay things down, to refuse the comforts of our Western society at times and say, hey, I, we're, we're going for this. You know, we, we've already decided our family, we're going uh, to go on mission trip next summer and kind of help to lead and do some things that we're going to be letting you guys know about. But, but I'm like, man, to, to get our kids and our whole family and to kind of save up money for that, I'm like, that's a car. That's, that's, that's a car, like, right? And so is, if we're, for like, you know, these three or four weeks, I could, I could get a, a decent little car, maybe maybe a used one off the lot, but, but not many miles, you know? And so you're like, I think about these things. And so, but, but it doesn't, in, in the end, it's just, God, we, we want to be obedient. We're going to refuse uh, the, the comforts of, of, of our world so that we can embrace uh, what, what you have for us. So, so what, again, what it says is that he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he chose. So there is both a, a refusal and, a, and it's a choosing. So you're, you're gonna be choosing one way or another. And so let us hone in. And again, one of my, my, my prayers for us this morning is that some of the enemies would actually give us the place of like, oh, wow. I've allowed something to creep in here. And so it's going to actually kind of kickstart faith, kind of this jumpstart of faith. Like, wow, I didn't even realize I was allowing that to creep in. And so I want to, I need to do some refusing and some choosing, but it's not easy. I mean, I mean, I th think about it. He, he lived in a palace and, and where he had everything at his disposal and yet he chose not only to leave the palace, but the way the author of Hebrews describes it is he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So sometimes there might just be small everyday life choices that we're, we're decisions that we're, we're making to, to say, I'm not, I'm not going to choose comfort. I'm not going to choose just to kind of veg out here or whatever, I'm, I'm going to choose to press in. Or it might be some big life decisions like Moses made that, that have in, incredible impact on, on your life. I think about passages like Philippians 3 where Paul is, is kind of having the same, he, he's had the same understanding and experience with God where, where he says, there is nothing that compares to knowing Christ. In fact, he's like, he's trying to find words. You can almost see him writing it. Like, like there's nothing that, that, that compares to knowing Christ. In fact, everything 
is rubbish compared to the joy of, of finding Christ, being found in him, of gaining Christ. There's nothing that compares. It's all like rubbish. It's that, it's that kind of continual um, awakening, that kind of continual understanding that we want to live in that allows us to, to reject um, or to refuse the comforts of this world and to embrace the calling of Jesus on our life. What fleeting pleasures do we run after that we need to refuse? <coughs> Excuse me. All right, let's go to the, the third one. Um, and I'm calling it reputation. It says this um, in verse 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He regarded disgrace. Disgrace is not what anybody's looking for, right? In fact, it's, it's the opposite of what, we're, what, we, what we long for. We want to be honored. We want to be seen for our, our successes. We, we want people to think highly of us and the, our, our reputation and, and trying to preserve our reputation can be an enemy to expressing faith in our lives. And that can be anything from um, a work setting among people that don't believe in Jesus or maybe antagonistic towards God where there's expressions of faith that God is, is stirring you to, uh, to, to make known to people. And it's just, it's difficult because what are they going to think? What is that going to mean for your reputation within the workplace or your ability to, to advance in your career? All the way to um, walking with, with people that know and love you who also love God. And there are different ways that God is, is, is challenging you or leading you to express faith or you're growing in faith or you're making decisions like like going on a mission trip and they're being like, what, you know, this money could be used for X, Y, Z and it's well-meaning people, but it's like, oh, and they're going to think I'm kind of crazy for, for doing this or, 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 you know, and begin to, to wonder what people will think about you. It's a question. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that we all can struggle with in different ways. And again, it can be an enemy to faith because we've already drawn some boundary lines and maybe that's where we need to look today. Are there boundary lines that we've inadvertently drawn for God? God, I'll do this in the workplace, but uh, that's, about, that's about it. Like, you know, or, or you know, uh, uh, with my family, this is, you know, my extended family get to get, like, don't ask me to do that. Like, they, you know, they know I'm a Christian, whatever, but, but where we've inadvertently drawn some boundary lines for God on what we will or will not do. And so we just want to say to God today, God, if there's any way that I'm guarding my reputation and have drawn these boundary lines so that I make sure, like, you know, I stay at least within this so that I, I remain respectable, God, I, I want to lose my reputation for you. I, I want to, rem would you remove those boundary lines? I trust you, God. I, I want my reputation to, to solely be uh, a man or a, or a woman who follows Jesus wholeheartedly, who loves God, who loves others. And so we're just looking for the ways that these enemies of faith are assaulting our faith. 
And I say that word purposefully. It sounds a little bit harsh, like assaulting our faith, but the enemy wants nothing less than to assault, attack, destroy your faith. And so we want to be aware of it. Even if we don't feel like we're under this assault right now, we need to understand that there is a battle, that there is a fight for faith. And the way that we walk through it is to see. This is, this is incredible. Look, can we just read that verse again? It's kind of easy to, to maybe to pass over a little bit. But he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. Okay, so you remember who we're talking about, right? Moses, long time before Jesus shows up on the scene, right, in the New Testament, and yet he regarded disgrace for Christ as of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt, which, which is an incredible juxtaposition in and of itself. Like the, uh, kind of again back to the Philippians 3, like, Disgrace for Christ, being in him, gaining Christ is, is much greater than all the treasures of Egypt, right? But, but this idea is, is so incredible that, that Moses was looking ahead so far that he saw Christ. We, we have, uh, you know, Galatians 3 uh, talks about kind of faith in Christ or what the, the understanding of the Messiah back into the Old Testament. It, it says this, again, using the seeing language, scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, that all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So we have this idea, uh, that this, this faith put in the heart of even the, these Old Testament characters that saw the coming of a Christ, of Messiah, and I was, I was maybe strangely encouraged. I don't know, I was encouraged. Like, okay, if Moses could have eyes of faith to see Christ that would not come for hundreds of years, right? If he could have faith to see a Messiah that would come to set people free, to, to redeem, to restore, and to deliver, then certainly I, on this side of the cross, can, can walk with God in such a way to overcome the enemies of faith by looking upon Christ, by, by seeing him who is invisible, by, by looking on the one who has saved me. And so it is our task in walking by faith to see. There are eyes of faith that God's wanting to give us and I want to just finish by, by reading through, and this will be kind of leading us into a place of response today. There's kind of a wrap-up um, in, in Hebrews 12 where, where it says, Therefore, okay, you're taking into all the, these, the consideration, all these great men and women of faith. Since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witness, witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And I'm just going to finish it there. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. So, so how do we emulate the faith that's being described to us throughout Hebrews 11? It's to have our eyes opened to see. It's just to see him. 
to, to see him for who he really is. There's so many passages of scripture that speak of it. I, I love 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so I want you to, to do something a little different with me today. I want you to close your eyes. And, and often in, in, in scripture, we see the, the laying on of hands where Jesus will lay his hands on somebody and pray for them to be healed, where uh, the, the, uh, the, the church will lay their hands on missionaries that they're sending out, just imparting the blessing of God to them. So we're gonna do something a little, a little funny today, a little different. I want you to, to lay your hands on your eyes. Just to, you can just kind of bow your head and just kind of place your hands over your eyes. And um, because I believe that God wants to impart fresh spiritual sight to us. We need to see God. We want to see you, Jesus. We want to see him who is invisible. We, we want to we see the calling of God on our lives. We wanna look ahead to our reward. And as you're just praying, like just praying over our eyes, I just wanna read these scriptures over us out of the Psalm. My eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord, in you I take refuge. Psalm 141.8. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he will pull my feet out of the net. Psalm 25.15. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Psalm 101.3. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your word. Psalm 119, 18. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 16, 8. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just give us a grace today to have our eyes fixed on you to keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. To see the reward that's been set before us, to see the one who is invisible. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand with me. And we're just gonna finish up our time with uh, just another few minutes of response. Our ministry team is gonna be here up at the front um, just to pray for anything that you need prayer for. I any burden that you're carrying, please don't walk out of this room carrying that same burden without receiving prayer today. God loves to answer prayer. And specifically today, we're just gonna to open up the front again, though I know we've kind of already had our response time early today. But just... For those that are specifically saying, God, I want to see. And some of you this morning are, um, are asking questions about who this God is. 
But as you are hearing about a God who overcomes fear, who, who is, has a greater reward than, than the treasures of this earth, a God who, who, who gives you your reputation and doesn't, you don't have to hold on to it or strive for it. There's something in that that is calling you. Like, I want to know that God. And I want you to know today that his arms are open wide, that he is pursuing you. And we'd love to talk with you more about how to have a relationship with God that brings this place of faith in your life. We'd love to talk with you about that. And as I said, the fronts open up. If you're just saying, I want, I, I want to see God, just come and get on your knees this morning and say, God, here I am. I want to see you. I want to know you. I don't want to leave this place without walking out of here with eyes of faith. Let's take this time to respond to God.